0: Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Spotlight. I'm Bruno Alves, Senior Editor at Infrastructure Investor. Our guest for this edition is Sadek Waba, the founder, chairman, and managing partner of iSquared Capital, the 15th largest infrastructure manager in the world, according to our 2020 Infrastructure Investor 50 ranking. On the agenda for our conversation was President Biden's much vaunted 2.3 trillion infrastructure plan, the American Jobs Plan. So I started by asking Sadek, Is the American Jobs Plan big enough, given the U.S.'s infrastructure needs?
1: I think the proposed funding is very large, but in reality, it falls short of our fundamental infrastructure needs, especially if we want to go beyond maintaining or improving what we have. So if our plan is to take the U.S. economy and the fundamental U.S. infrastructure that gives you the engine for growth, sustainable growth over the coming decades, then you need a much, much larger amount. So for example, it calls for about $2.25 trillion over an eight year period. That looks huge. But when you look at some of the statistics and the ubiquitous, you know, the American society civil engineers report, it basically tells you, you need that amount, 2.6 trillion around just to maintain our existing infrastructure.
0: In addition to size, there's been some controversy about how much of the plan is actually infrastructure. While the plan combines climate-friendly proposals for improvements across transportation, energy, water, and broadband, it also targets affordable housing and elderly care, which are not traditionally considered infrastructure, but have likely been included as a result of the pandemic. I know there's
1: been some controversy around that. And so what I did is I went through the plan and, Extracted from it every number so that we can add up to the total. So when you add all of that up, I think you get $1.8 trillion out of the 2.25, which is about call it 80%. That's that's actually very impressive by any stretch of the imagination. So I don't agree with some people who characterize it as it's really about jobs, not about infrastructure. I don't think so. I think a lot of it is so so the issue for me is. Those funds are going to be invested over an eight-year period. And the reality is it's far, far from fundamentally altering the way U.S. invests in infrastructure and certainly not enough to catch up with Europe or let alone China's ever-growing infrastructure expansion.
0: The plan's reliance on tax funding has raised many an eyebrow. Republican Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell warned the plan was a Trojan horse for massive tax hikes. Perhaps to the disappointment of many in the industry, the plan also does not contain any overt references to private sector financing.
1: The plan calls for traditional forms of government funding, uh, taxation, deficit financing. And, and I guess there's nothing wrong with either, right? Uh, taxes are an appropriate mechanism for funding public projects. Everyone does that around the world. And it's well documented that you have a massive positive in- economic impact from infrastructure. So that, that, there's no doubt about that. But I think taxes and deficits are politically challenging today, and they don't come close to covering the true funding need. And because direct government funding is linked to appropriation cycle, it is volatile, and in my view, not well suited to the kind of long-term planning that infrastructure projects require. Uh, What you really need to focus is on long-term investments and mechanisms to ensure that you have those funding over the long run. And the problem is that has tended to be neglected. um, And that is why ambitious infrastructure programs that have been touted by previous administrations never really fully materialized. And in fact, didn't have any long-term impact.
0: The I-Squared founder has, in a recent article for Infrastructure Investor, espoused a more comprehensive funding vision for American infrastructure, one less dependent on taxes and more inclusive of private financing. One important source of private capital to bring to the table are US pension funds. As a long term capital raiser, I asked WABA how he sees US pension appetite for US infrastructure these days.
1: I think the appetite is large and the appetite and the demand is huge. uh, And I think it can grow if the barriers to direct investments can be overcome. But that requires, as a predicate, that there are investments to invest in and not just through indirectly private equity that focus on infrastructure, but also to do direct investments uh, that help address pension fund shortfalls. So when you look at some of the stats, the Equable Institute has reported, for example, that the shortfall for state retirement systems in the US is about 1.3 trillion and is projected to go to something like 1.6 by next year. So with near zero interest rates on fixed income securities, that obviously compounds the problem. Do pension funds recognize this? Of course they do, absolutely. And they'd love to invest in infrastructure. The paradox is that they're having a hard time funding those projects. Now, this sounds absurd. How is it that our infrastructure is crumbling? We look to make investments, yet we have, in some sense, not enough projects that we can invest in. And that, I think, is the paradox of the U.S. The challenge is that in the U.S., infrastructure projects are managed by complex, complex set of federal and state entities. So I'll give you an example. 95% of public highways and bridges are owned by local and state governments, okay? Simple question. How many local and state governments exist in the US? Over 50,000 local authorities manage these assets in one form or another. So how do you want a pension fund to go around and talk and discuss and negotiate with those authorities? It's simply not practical. So to overcome this, and you said it, we need to introduce public-private partnerships. And I would recharacterize it. It's not just public-private, but I would also call it public-public. And by the way, I didn't come up with that name. So I would call it a public-public partnership between state and local authorities and U.S. state pension funds. And so these partnerships will allow funds to invest directly in these projects under long-term concessions. It can benefit everyone. Uh, state and municipalities will benefit because they'll be able to have a partner where they can invest with in the long run, and they will stay in this project the long run. Uh, and of course, the pension funds will be- benefit. But for us to do that, we need to add various mechanisms that allow us to uh, create, if you want, the system by which state pension funds can go and approach local authorities, and local authorities can in turn approach state pension funds to work together directly in some of these very large projects. One of those
0: mechanisms, which has been floated in one form or another over the years, pertains to the creation
1: of an infrastructure bank. Essentially, what I'm suggesting is a World Bank, but for the US. And that's extremely important because the World Bank, over the last decades, has helped emerging markets in developing their infrastructure in developing in capacity building, not just infrastructure, of course, health, education, structural adjustment programs, uh, macroeconomy, and so on and so forth. But if you think of that bank for the US, number one, uh, invest in equity and provide debt financing. So equity investment infrastructure in the way that I'm describing really doesn't exist right now. Infrastructure funding is largely provided through federal government grants, state municipalities, And so there's limited equity opportunity through public-private as we've discussed. So the bank can work with states and municipalities to manage those PPP relationships, to structure additional equity that brings more funding to bear, and then lets the state or city get upfront funding without waiting for federal grants or bond proceeds. So that's an important consideration. Two, so it acts as a bank that invests in projects or lends to projects, can do both. Two. The bank can serve as a technical resource to help manage the projects. When you come to develop these projects via public and private partnerships, it's a complex and time consuming process and really goes beyond the capacity of any state or local agency to manage. So, in my view, the bank will have that capacity to be able to help those local agencies look at the permitting, the contracting, and everything else that has to do with the PPP project that people are familiar with. A third element. Uh, it can provide more strategic form of assistance. For example, how do you structure PPP? Should it be a 20-year concession, a 30-year concession? Should it revert back to you? Should you have an option to extend? What kind of tolling, if it's a toll road, would you implement? How would it be structured? How do you monitor performance? What kind of maintenance capex you may be requiring uh, the concessionaire to put in? All of these things that have been tried and tested in different markets. And of course, exists already in the US, in a limited way. But a bank has the ability to be an impartial advisor to the local and state municipalities and help them think about these things and come up with best of breed type of standards that people can then copy and use in their own communities. Another funding mechanism could see the creation of an individual
0: retirement account for infrastructure.
1: My idea of an infrastructure IRA is yet another mechanism, if you want, for bringing in private funds to bear. So, for example, it could be easily created by modifying Section 408, which is basically the section of the Internal Revenue Code, which is the code that basically creates IRA accounts and the 529 plans, which are for education in the US. So you can create the same thing. The same factors that make infrastructure attractive to pension funds should make it attractive to individual retirees. You have other funding sources to consider, of course, uh, overseas capital, sovereign wealth fund, and so on. But for me, the IRA is a great way to involve U.S. households into the regeneration of their own domestic infrastructure. Uh, There are approximately 50 million IRA accounts. If everyone were to put $10,000, that's $500 billion of capital that people can commit to infrastructure. People could be proud, like it happened during World War II with war bonds. Here people can be proud to invest in their roads, in the airports. And you'll have mechanisms that allow to take that funds either via the infrastructure bank or other mechanism and deploy that in infrastructure projects across the US.
0: But given these IRA accounts would potentially see individual savings being invested alongside
1: other sources of
0: private capital, would they require extra
1: protections? Look, that's a very good point. The IRA accounts would have to be structured in a way that people will have multiple choices in which they can invest. You can invest in bond funds that focus entirely on infrastructure. You can invest in uh, equity of projects, uh, and you can have the infrastructure bank or third party investors and funds manage that for you. Uh, they'll have to qualify for it. And then you can have investors, IRA account holders, deposit their money into the infra bank directly. Uh, and there is no reason why the infra bank uh, would not offer its equity, so as shares into the bank itself, to individual shareholders. So while it could be a, it should be a government state entity, a GSE. Part of that capital could be offered effectively for individuals to come and invest and buy shares into that bank. So, so there are multiple mechanisms by which we can effectively do that uh, and use those funds to invest directly in infrastructure for industry veterans.
0: It seems like we've been talking about a U.S. infrastructure plan for a very long time now, across several administrations. So it's fitting to end our conversation on whether the American Jobs Plan will finally be able to get the needed bipartisan support to deliver on its promise.
1: Look, I think you have to be optimistic, and I'm not a political expert. I, don't know, about inf- I know about infrastructure and finance, but I'm not sure I know how to make political predictions. Uh, That said, look, it's clear that we're in a polarized political environment. Republicans have already voiced their objections to the scale and scope of the American Jobs Plan. By the way, the bill has yet uh, to be submitted to Congress, uh, and it has to then get divvied up to the various committees. Uh, But the prospect of funding it through corporate taxation is something that a big group within Congress is not going to support. So the final bill is likely to be the result of a protracted negotiation, compromises between the various parties, and it may well be smaller and less ambitious. Uh, I think that will be a missed opportunity. It is, in my view, a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to rebuild America's infrastructure. I think it will be a real tragedy if this bill, and as I'm advocating even more because I don't believe this bill is sufficient, but at the very least, this bill should go through. And that is why I'm focusing on finding different funding mechanisms beyond just an increase in taxes so that both sides of the aisle are able to support it using our own savings, our own pension funds uh, as a way to fund for the infrastructure on the assumption that these are good projects that make sense, because if they're not, no one is going to invest, whether it's the household or the pension funds. But the truth is, there are lots of projects uh, there is a huge need, as we know, and I think it could be done in a way that is a win-win for everyone. Uh, so I hope that some of these ideas are incorporated into the plan, and I hope that both sides of the aisle will be able to support it, because that will be a fundamental change in the way the American economy looks to grow over the coming decade.
0: That again was Sadek Waba of I Squared Capital. If you want to hear more episodes of Spotlight, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or on PI Media's various titles online. With Infrastructure Investor, I'm Bruno Alves. Thanks for listening.